Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. We continue with our Hamilton Hotspot series. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, of course, we've covered a number of different issues uh, from transportation uh, to, uh, well, the contentious issues uh, and a number of issues that we need to focus on as Hamilton moves forward. There have been a lot of great news stories from an economic development standpoint, uh, and, and we're proud about that. We need to be aware also, of course, of some of the challenges that are forthcoming. And uh, one of the biggest, of course, is in the field of health care. And it's not a Hamilton-only problem, of course, but uh, we want to focus a little bit over the next little while about how this city and this community uh, can work together to deal with some of those challenges uh, that we're facing these days. And, and you know what some of those issues are, and I'm sure we'll touch on a number of them over the next hour as we continue our conversation. Joining us in studio is uh, Rob McIsaac, who is the president and CEO of uh, Hamilton Health Sciences. Great to see you again, Rob. Thank you for being here today. Well, thanks for having me, Bill. Always great to be here. And uh, Jennifer Vickers-Manzen, who is the chief nursing officer and director of Health Families uh, Division at Public Health for the city. Great to have you here, Jen. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us, Bill. Let's, uh, maybe, Rob, let me start it off with you, and then we'll just kind of jump into a whole bunch of issues right now. You've, you've been on the program over the last little while talk, uh, talking about how you need to plan 15, 20 years out sometimes about health care right now and uh, the, the delivery model for health care and uh, the, the realization that, look, there's not a whole lot more money probably coming into the system right now, so we have to be smarter about how we spend those dollars. And, and I know that since you've taken over this role with Hamilton Health Sciences, uh, you spend an awful lot of time, you and your staff have, trying to develop a plan. And, uh, and, and it's going to call some tough decisions about maybe the expectation that it's not going to be the way things used to be. And that, that's always a tough sell. Yeah, uh, change is always hard, uh, but for sure uh, we really need to be thinking about change because, uh, you know, change is happening around us and we need to respond to it. We've got an aging population and that has big consequences for the healthcare system. You know, we know that as people get older, they tend to uh, rely on the healthcare system uh, more than they do as uh, young people. And the other interesting thing that's happening as as technology and, uh, you know, our smarts around healthcare uh, get better. People are living longer, but uh, the consequence is that they're, they're kind of living longer to, to get the, to the next disease. So there's been a rise in chronic disease across the community. And the, the bottom line for us as hospitals is we're seeing more patients and the patients that we're seeing are sicker. Uh, and so it, it's really causing us to rethink how we manage um, illness and population health within the community. I got a stark realization. I remember talking uh, with Dr. Bill Evans uh, when Bill was still at the Jervinsky Center a couple of years ago. And, and I said, you know, the incidence of certain cancer seems to be on the rise. And he said, well, that's because we're living longer. He says, it's, it, he says there's almost an inevitability that, that, you know, you may have contact. He says that's what the t- stats say, that the longer you live, the chances of you getting sicker with a serious disease are, are, are increasing as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, if you think about 100 or 150 years ago, the average age of death would have been dramatically less, and people would have been dying for much different reasons. Uh, so we have eliminated, we have a much safer society than we have had uh, previously, but, uh, you know, there's sort of a price for everything. And as as we get older, uh, because of the changes that we've made in, in medicine and uh, in the way that we organize ourselves as a, a society, it's allowed for these chronic diseases like uh, COPD and uh, chronic heart failure to uh, become much more prominent. There's an, an old phrase that a baseball player named Mickey Mantle used to use, Jen, and uh, Mickey obviously lived a pretty rough life uh, and, and loved to, to imbibe and drink and, and party, etc. 
Uh, and when things started to fall apart, he says, if I know I was going to live this long, I would have looked after myself better. Uh, but that seems to be almost the mantra for our society right now, too. I mean, uh, the, you know, the, 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 our lifestyles, some of the things that we do that are wrong, I mean, it's bound to catch up with us. A lot of us don't exercise as much as we used to. We don't eat as well as we should. And in the short term, that may or may not have consequences, but in the long term, it's kind of inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, Bill, you've hit the nail right on the head there. So from a population health perspective, we look back and consider the health of the entire population from a primary prevention lens. And so while our partners in acute care are dealing with our sick clients, we're dealing with our well patients and families in the city of Hamilton, and we're trying to keep them well as long as possible and optimize their health. And so I agree with Rob about locally there are things changing in terms of the health care issues that we're seeing. And I would say also what the ministry is expecting from us um, is, a, is another piece that uh, we're seeing in terms of what you talked about, Bill, and that we need to be able to work together better across the continuum of care of, of the folks that we're servicing at different points along the spectrum. So where our acute care colleagues are seeing them in the hospital during illness, we're seeing them earlier in their lives. And what are the things that we can do together to maximize the work we're doing, maximize the impact in our city, and really deal with the issues? And par- a, a large part of that is understanding our community really well. So being, uh, being able to unpack the data um, about stats that we know about who's going to our emergency room, what are those stats like? What's the population? And what are some strategies that we need to put in place across the lifespan in a comprehensive way to address the issues? One of the things that, that you've talked about, Rob, since you've uh, been with Hamilton Health Sciences, that I think kind of fits exactly into what Jen's talking about here, is, is, is at first blush, a word association, people say hospitals, they think, okay, that's the institution, that's the bricks and mortar. But, but you've, you've developed an attitude right now with you and your staff of getting the hospital going out into the community. Uh, don't wait for them to come to you. you. You're out there now. And then talk to us a little bit about that plan and how, how do you like to see that roll out? Yeah, I spent a long time in public service. And one of my observations about uh, public service is that, you know, there's a kind of uh, expectation that, uh, uh, peop- that we can deliver services based on uh, budgets that are allocated to different providers. And, you know, people don't live their lives according to the way budget budgets get allocated in the public service. So, uh, we need to um, really work hard at finding ways that we can better integrate and think across budgets uh, and and share responsibility mm-hmm. uh, for our community. That's not something that we've done as well as we uh, need to do looking forward. And uh, uh, it's great to have partners like uh, the city. Uh, uh, we're also engaging, of course, with uh, the Lynn, who's now responsible for home care. Uh, with primary care physicians, uh, those all of those areas to some to varying degrees had uh, operated in silos, and I think all of those providers are now realizing, look, we need to come together to uh, develop joint strategies across our budgets to make sure that we're providing the services that uh, our citizens deserve. Back in the day, uh, when I worked for the city, Jen, uh, city council, uh, it was going back in the late 1990s uh, up until about 2006, uh, I, I always sat on the, the Public Health and Social Services Committee. It was always one of the committees I wanted to go on to. And uh, we'd get, on average, two, three people show up for the meeting, uh, you know, the interested public, so depending on the issue, of course. Uh, sometimes had trouble getting quorum from some of the councillors to show up for the meeting. It just didn't seem to be on everybody's radar. 
are, are we better at that now, or do we understanding right now that, for instance, the work that goes on in social services and community and the work that goes on in public health are interrelated, and they have a m- very much of an impact on the budgets of many other items, too? I would say that there is an increased understanding in all sectors for us to move in that direction. I agree with Rob that we need to continue to improve to get there. So we have some great examples in the city where we're sitting around the table together, not just in the areas that we traditionally consider health, but Bill, what you've just mentioned there, which is our community services partner, our partners in education, our partners in social services, our partners who are dealing with immigration status of folks in our community. So when we talk about health system integration, we're talking about all of those services that really touch on the social determinants of health. So although I think we're getting better around collaboration and the Lynn is certainly encouraging us to move in that direction more. And there is a strong desire in Hamilton, I would say. Hamilton is um, is a wonderful community in that way and that um, organizations really do sit around the table together and there's some great work happening with the Hale and the Community Health Working Group that I know Rob's been a part of as well with public health and some of our Hamilton anchor institutes in the city of Hamilton really trying to look at some large issues in the city and how we can come together um, in each of our different organizations and sectors and really put a plan in place to address those issues from multiple sides. And you saw that, and you referenced your public life. Uh, by the way, you're still in public life, Rob. <laughs> uh, still with what you're doing with the delivery of healthcare with Hamilton Health Sciences. But but you, I guess, have that, that broad-based knowledge that uh, that probably would lean us towards, the. I, I think, the, the rightful conclusion that, look at issues like poverty, issues like social housing or lack of social housing are health issues as well. It's not just a social issue. Yeah, it, um, it it doesn't take a lot of imagination to understand it, frankly. So in some respects, it's surprising, we, you know, uh, that we haven't gotten further than we have. But, you know, the truth of the matter is if you've got somebody living in poverty, um, you know, if they can't afford uh, the transportation uh, to get to see the doctor, uh, if they don't have the wherewithal themselves to understand uh, how it is that they need to take their medication, um, you know, there's there's so many very practical problems uh, about how you you lead your life if you're living in poverty. That ultimately, if they they go unattended, uh, those people end up in our emergency department. Uh, and I'd much rather have you know the support system in place for somebody to uh, manage their conditions at home, uh, uh, as opposed to them you know uh, crashing because they didn't take their meds, because you know they weren't managing their asthma or whatever, and end up in our emergency department, which is a very expensive solution uh, to what started out as a pretty simple problem. So how do we, how do we integrate that, Jen? How do we get the, the hospital, the healthcare providers, along with these other departments to develop these, these coordinated plans? I mean, a lot of this falls right on your desk, of course, at the city, uh, because you're getting it from both sides. Yeah, you're right. I would say, you know, health system integration and system integration is a really important role for public health to play in our city in terms of bringing key players around the city around an issue. And typically, you know, in my experience, what um, really initiates the conversation is when an issue emerges in the city that has multiple stakeholder engagement, concern, um, and involvement. And that usually is the, the the key piece that gets people around the table and really engaged in the dialogue. 
Um, and so, you know, I think how you go about it is you start with the data. What's the data showing us in terms of population health outcomes? What's the priority population within that? So is there a particular population that's being impacted by a certain health issue more than another population? Is it a senior population? Is it a youth population? It's, it's dependent on the health issue that we're considering. So I think it's really about using the data, unpacking it and understanding it as organizations who are servicing this population across the spectrum, coming up with some shared goals, um, and really looking at the evidence and listening to the lived experience of those who are dealing with the issue themselves to come up with a plan. And, and I think the other thing that, um, you know, there's commitment to do from the organizations in our city and something that we really need to do from an accountability perspective is measure how well we're doing related to those plans. Are we making a difference? Are we turning the c- curve? Are we making a difference in, in long-term outcomes in terms of the numbers we're seeing from a data perspective? And are we making a difference in the lives of the people that are being impacted by the particular health issue? And, and some of the challenges, well, I want to uh, get into some of the issues that you just brought up here. We'll do that because I have to do a break in a couple of seconds. But from an institutional standpoint, I know that, th- that one of the focus points and one of the contentious points, Rob, that you and, and St. Joe's are dealing with uh, collectively here is is about the actual facilities and the services delivered. And, and there's an expectation that, well, the more, the better. Uh, and I guess in a perfect world, if we could just throw money at every problem, that might be part of the solution. But I think we tried that before, didn't we? And it didn't have the same kind of positive effect that we wanted to. That's It, it costs, I think, for a different way of delivery, and maybe even a different kind of service that's being delivered now in, in the hospital settings. Yeah, well, I think that's true. And I think that Um, You know, we ask a lot of our hospitals, uh, and hospitals uh, get used for a lot of reasons that they were never intended for. Uh, And so I think, you know, part of our thrust at Hamilton Health Sciences has been to to really make sure people are getting uh, the right treatment in the right place at the right time. Uh, And, you know, I can tell you as of today, uh, just by way of example, we've got 198 people at Hamilton Health Sciences who... Uh, would be classified as uh, alternate level of care uh, patients. And so what that means is they're, they're folks who, uh, as a hospital, we really can't do much more for them than we've already done. So we've, we've, they've completed their acute care journey, but they can't go back into the community. We're, we're not comfortable saying, you know, sorry, you're done here, time to leave, because we don't think the community has the capacity to really receive them in a way uh, that they're going to get the care they need back in the community. So What's lacking? Well, it's a very complex issue, to be honest. You know, our ALC patients, uh, we classify them according to destination. So where where do they really ultimately need to end up? Uh, and there's 17 different classifications. Uh, I'd say the biggest, uh, the biggest area that we see a need for today would be long-term care. So most of those patients, the, the majority or at least the plurality of them, would, would be waiting for a bed in a nursing home. Uh, so for sure, there's a, from my perspective, uh, there's a deficit in terms of uh, the, this community's capacity for uh, nursing homes. But it's, it is a complex question. The provincial number, I think, is 4,000, isn't it? Any given day, there are 4,000 people that probably should not be in a, in a hospital. There's, they should be someplace else, but there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah, it, for sure, it's a, it's a province-wide problem. It's, it's arguably a national problem. Let me do a short time out and we'll come back as we pick up on this as uh, we continue with this segment of Hotspot Hamilton. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Our Hotspot Hamilton feature continues healthcare 
and uh, how healthcare needs to accommodate the future needs of this city. Uh, with our Hotspot Hamilton panel, Rob McIsaac, President and CEO of Hamilton Hill Sciences, is with us. Jennifer Vickers Manson, Chief Nursing Officer and uh, Director of Healthy Families Division for the Public Health Department of the City of Hamilton. Rob, you mentioned a couple of times in your comments in the first segment about the LINS. Uh, the, for those who may not know the acronym, that's the Local Health Integrated Network. Uh, I sat on the precursor of the District Health Council years ago when I was on City Council. And I know that it became a political issue. I don't want to get too deep into the politics of this right now, but there were some people that were saying, well, these things are ineffective. I'm going to get rid of the lens. Uh, I disagreed. I think there's obviously always has to be a reassessment as to what happens and how they do it, et cetera. But you can't dictate health care from Queen's Park for the entire province. I mean, there has to be a local voice, does there not? Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right, Bill. Uh, you know, communities... Uh, differ so much community to community, and Hamilton has uh, has very specific uh, kinds of needs that wouldn't necessarily the solutions to those needs wouldn't necessarily work in Burlington or uh, elsewhere. So, uh, I do think the lens can play an important role in helping to integrate and coordinate um, healthcare. The you know most recently with Patients First, which is a, a piece of legislation passed by the province. Um, the I, the notion of sub-regions were, were created, which I think makes a lot of sense. So uh, our LIN, uh, which uh, has responsibility across, you know, a pretty broad swath, is, is creating sub-regions which reflect, uh, more reflective of communities. So there is a Hamilton sub-region, uh, and we've got a table uh, of people, service providers here in Hamilton, uh, sitting around the table. We've kind of alluded to it a couple of times uh, in our conversations, but really starting to uh, think uh, more profoundly about how we can integrate services in Hamilton based on the needs of uh, this community. Well, you've done it already in the hospital setting, and Hamilton, as I recall, Rob, is actually one of the first communities to have that collaboration between St. Joe's and and Hamilton uh, Health Sciences at that time, instead of the duplication of services, instead of a pediatric ward there and there and there and there, and you you, you move towards a specialization. And I I don't know that everybody grasped the importance of that, but I mean I I think it's made for a better healthcare delivery system. Yeah, I I uh, think that's exactly right. There has been a rationalization of services between the hospitals. I think there's probably some more work uh, still to do there, but. Uh, relative to other communities, we've done lots of really good work here in Hamilton uh, on that topic. But what the the sub-regions are doing is is expanding that same exercise uh, across service providers. So it's not just the hospital sector there. The city is sitting at the table, uh, primary care is sitting at the table, uh, and others. So um, you know, I think we we have a really interesting opportunity now to reimagine uh, the way that. Um, po- you know, our population's health is, is managed here in Hamilton, and, uh, you know, it's very, very gratifying to be part of that. Which really kind of throws the ball in your court, Janet, the city. Uh, I, I don't want to be too simplistic about this, but basically the city's job here is to make sure that, that people don't go rushing, as Rob said, to emergency rooms because they've, they've got a problem and they don't have a family doctor or they don't know who to turn to or that there could be any number of issues like this. It's, it's to try to keep them healthy in the communities, in the neighborhoods in which they're in right now and create that healthy lifestyle. That's an onerous task. Yeah, I, you know, I'll, I just build on what you said and what Rob has said, which is the piece about locally we need to see what the issues are. I think the other piece is every local area has different resources. And so how they come together around an issue needs to be determined locally based on the needs of residents. And so, 
You know, I think one of the things that uh, Patients First is is really based on, which has come out of um, in 2015 from Minister Hoskins, and it calls for a more integ- integrated approach to healthcare, which is what we're talking about here today. Um, is just talking about the number of resources that we have and how we can bring those voices together a little bit better to prioritize the work that we're doing and move forward in a better direction in a coordinated fashion. And so um, with the size of organizations that we are right now and the issues that we're facing in each of our organizations, sometimes the tendency can be to start tackling issues that you're seeing in your organization because you want some resolution for the families that you're servicing. Um, However, if we come together, often we find we're dealing with the same issue. It's just at different points along the spectrum, and we can um, decrease our duplication of efforts if we align our efforts together. Um, so I, I really just think that is the that's really the the direction that we're going in the, in the city of Hamilton and and there's some really great examples of that work that's happened over many years. I think there's a unique opportunity for us now because there's some interesting pieces of legislation. Um, patients first is something that Rob just talked about the Lynn the the, the development of the Lynn. Um, so there's some. St- there's some things that are happening at a ministry level as well as a local level that are really helping us to start move in this direction. And I think the challenge will be for us to continue to come to the table together as partners and collaborators to identify the issues where we have common ground rather than seeking to solve the, the issues independent of one another. But it, it can't always be top down, though, can it? I mean, you can't simply say, OK, we're going to have a meeting. We'll tell you how we're going to handle this. Because uh, I can think of a number of an, uh, organizations and, and areas in this city right now where it's it's grassroots. It's it's actually it's organic. It's happening in those neighborhoods. I mean, the old Robert Land School comes to mind, where they've got some incredible programs to deal with some of those challenges right now. And uh, I mean, you know, the city kind of gave them a boost and, and gave them the facility. But boy, the public and the people in that community uh, have just gravitated to that and made it their own. And, and they've found solutions. And, and basically, they're inviting you down to say, here's what we're doing. And, and maybe that's an idea that you can take to someplace else. That, that There's got to be more of that as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Patients First is the title of the document that was released. And, th- and that just speaks to, it's about putting the patient or the family or our residents at the center of decision making and informing what we're doing as a as a healthcare sector and as a city that impacts our residents. So as organizations, we need to come together to identify issues based on data that we're seeing. However, when we develop strategies, it needs to be in combination with all of the stakeholders. And one of the stakeholders are the patients and families that are experiencing the day-to-day struggles of the issue that they're facing and so they are really key in driving and helping us develop strategies and helping us inform what what are the barriers to access what's really happening here and why are we seeing this number of folks here versus somewhere else i think i think some of the things that um, patients first points to is that we don't want to set up a system of care that creates barriers for patients and families so the goal is that patients and families know where to go, know where to access care, and they're able to do that in an easy way. Um, and if we're not talking as service providers, sometimes the way we organize our support systems becomes confusing for the end user. And so if it's confusing for the end user, that can be a barrier to accessing services in a timely way and accessing 
you know, what Rob talked about, the right services by the right services service provider at the right time. So it is really critical. Often when I'm sitting around the table with service providers um, from different areas, one of the things that, that we talk about is that the city of Hamilton has a lot of resources and we're very fortunate in that way. And one of the the key things that we need to continue to work towards is the coordination of those resources. But how do you do that? How, how do you reach out? And I, I guess what we're talking about here is information dissemination. And, and both of you have the same challenge because you've got a diverse group of, of socioeconomic gr- people in the year, but you have diverse ethnicities here too. And at the same time, the challenge for both of you is to get the, the message out. I mean, how many times have both in, in the hospital setting and, of course, in the public health setting, has somebody said, I didn't know that program was available. I didn't know I could do that. Uh, it, it, obviously, that, that there's a gap there that needs to be addressed. Yeah, just if I could build on uh, what sure. Jen was saying. As we're sitting around the table at the Hamilton Community Health Working Group, which is, you know, the city and uh, the hospital sector, uh, the LINs and so on, uh, primary care, worth thinking about organizing our efforts by neighborhood. Uh, and so as much as the, you know, the Hamilton sub-region is a very logical uh, place to gather service uh, providers together to start talking about integration, as we're thinking about how it will play out on the ground, we, we very much see this as a neighborhood by neighborhood issue. And I think when you, when you organize your efforts in that way, it's, you're so much closer uh, to the people. But I agree. It's, it will always be a challenge, you know, public, uh, providing public services uh, in the context of a multicultural uh, society with, you know, varied demographics, always a challenge. We'll never get it perfect. Uh, but I think we're getting closer to, uh, to where we need to be. As long as you can develop that, that relationship, I guess, so somebody feels comfortable in that setting. Uh, so that you can reach out and they know that there's somebody that they can go to to get that information. Of course, part of the problem you got in public health, too, is is that people oftentimes, because of housing situations and, and socioeconomic reasons, uh, you know, where's the, the so-and-so family? Well, they moved. Uh, they had to go to the other end of town right now. And it's almost like you're back to square one now. You have to start all over with, in that particular neighborhood, too, and that can be problematic. Yes, yeah, so you're talking about some of the social determinants of health that yeah, really yeah. Are, create barriers for folks to accessing care. I think the neighborhood approach is key. I think building relationships is key. I think documenting what we have in our city and, and providing easy tools for service providers and residents to understand what, where to go and how to access it. And sometimes that looks like a care pathway. Sometimes it looks like resources online. Um, you know, Rob's talked more and more about social, the use of social media and where folks are accessing information. And so we need to start thinking about that as well. So some of it is about dialogue and awareness raising, for sure. Some of it's about documenting and different avenues what's available to residents in our city and who should go where when, helping them to understand the care pathway for care. Um, and some of it is about decreasing the barrier. So having it available in a way that's meaningful for them, that they can access in an easy way. Let me ask you, I'm going to probably make a few people cringe. Does the private sector have a role to play in this? Because we've talked about public health. We've talked about public money for this. Uh, it's not growing on trees. Uh, we all know that. Uh, federal and provincial governments are telling us, look, you know, we, we, there is not an... Uh, an infinitesimal amount of money here that you guys can just tap into anytime that you want. Uh, talk to us about what, if any, role the private sector can play in. I know some people are going to cringe and say, oh, that's for profit, but it does work in some other jurisdictions. 
Well, I, Bill, the truth is the private sector does play a, a critical role in healthcare uh, already. Uh, but I think you know those of us in the sector need to be open to new possibilities. Uh, just in the last few weeks, uh, Hamilton Health Sciences announced a, uh, an interesting public-private partnership with a service provider around acquired brain injury, for example. Uh, they're opening up a new facility uh, here in Hamilton. We will be uh, taking patients uh, from our rehab uh, and other facilities uh, and placing them in those beds in, in that, you know, run by a private care um, uh, or rather a private sector concern. They, they are from BC and we looked very closely at the results that they were producing for uh, patients with acquired brain injury. And it was, I, I have to say, it was really impressive. You know, the approach that they brought to the problem uh, was innovative and, and really produced results. So I think, uh, you know, we need to be open uh, to those kinds of um, partnerships moving forward. Of course, we have to do it within the context of a public system to make sure that people have equal access to it. But I think we need to be pragmatic. If somebody can do it better than us uh, at a better cost, why wouldn't we consider those uh, possibilities? Well, and to your point, I mean, you know, there are already private clinics where you can get blood work done. Uh, you can get an MRI done. I mean, there's more and more of those clinics starting now. Uh, simply because the, the existing facilities don't have the workload. Uh, and you mentioned earlier long-term care as, as one of the real crisis points in, in health care delivery right now. Uh, there's no way that the, the government can build as many long-care beds as they really need to do here. The private sector has to be leaned on, I would think. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly right. Government can't do it all. But what government does need to do is make sure that <clears throat> where there is a private sector provider that, you know, we're, we're ensuring uh, appropriate access uh, you know, people should be able to uh, get those services uh, just the same as if they were uh, publicly provided. And we need to have, you know, very strong levers to make sure that uh, where we're not getting the results we want, uh, that uh, we can act. Well, we saw the story that was in the Toronto Star, and I'm, I know both of you did too, where I think it costs like $5,500 a month for some long-term care facilities, and that's in the GTA. But, I mean, it, I think it underscores the, the magnitude of the problem right now. As one friend of mine said, it was cheaper to go on a cruise I said, when I get that old, just put me on a boat on a cruise ship. It's cheaper. It's it's cheaper than trying to get a bed in one of these facilities, and the food's probably better. Uh, I, I mean, that sounds a little bizarre, but, I mean, those are the analogies. I mean, affordability has to play a part in this discussion too, doesn't it? Uh, for, absolutely. So, and that really goes to the access agenda, yeah. just making sure that uh, the, the whole of the population has reasonable access to the kind of care that we all uh, deserve. Where do you see primary care facilities uh, fitting into this? Uh, as, as you say, Rob, we are getting older. Uh, we need more joint replacements. We need uh, uh, longer care for things like cancer treatments, diabetes, things of this nature. Uh, and because of that, there's going to be a huge crush. There already is a huge crush, of course, on those facilities right now. Uh, the the short-term solution a lot of people think is, well, we just need to build more of them. Is is that it? Because, I mean, you've talked about, for instance, micro clinics and, and, and areas uh, in the city right now to, to go to for services. I mean, the, the one just down the street from us here on Main Street at Main and Macklin, obviously, is, is an example of that. Do you see more of that I in the future? Yeah, I want to be really clear about this. From my perspective, the, this is one of the areas where, as between acute care and primary care, we've allowed over the years, uh, two solitudes to uh, to come into being. And uh, uh, specialists in hospitals uh, do not have the kind of relationship with uh, family doctors that we need to see uh, moving forward. And so 
uh, for us at uh, Hamilton Health Sciences, we've been working really hard together with St. Joe's to reestablish uh, uh, supportive relationships between hospitals and family doctors. Still lots of work uh, to be done, but we've started the conversation. Uh, and from my perspective, you know, it all starts with the family physician. The family physician has to be uh, the gatekeeper for the system, uh, but for them to be an effective gatekeeper, they have to be well supported. And so uh, getting to that point uh, will take some work, but uh, as I said, we've started. And and that's that coordination. I mean, if, if they are going to be the portal for the healthcare system, they're also the portal for a lot of the services the city is going to deliver, I would think, then, Jen. Yeah, you're right. And, and primary care is a critical piece of the puzzle. Lots of folks go to their family doctor as the first point of contact. They rely and have a trusting relationship with that family physician. And so they are a really important part of the dialogue and a part of the system solution. And so it, it becomes more and more about where is, where is the system feeling the burden and the pressure um, and is there something that we can do together to alleviate some of that pressure to ensure that our families are getting service in a timely way? I think sometimes there is a desire to build more when we feel there is a gap before we think about how can we integrate better first to see if there really is a gap. Is it a gap because it doesn't exist or is it a gap because we're not integrated and coordinated well? I think having the conversations, building our relationships with primary care and the hospitals, as well as our community sectors, our social services, our education partners is really going to help us to to determine is, is there truly a gap or is this about coordination and integrating services and having soft handoffs? Um, between our agencies when we're dealing with the same family at different points in care. And so I, soft hands off, handoffs or transferring families softly from one organization to another is really important. It sounds simple, but it, it would help our families navigate the system and, and maybe help it to be less confusing for them. Got about a minute left here. Maybe there's one final point that we do need to touch on. Uh, with all this infrastructure, this this uh, health infrastructure that both of you have talked about right now, uh, there, I think there has to be a mindset change too, does there not, that, that we as individuals and as families have a role to play in here? We can't just simply say, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, eat what I want, uh, and, and just know that the system's going to be there when my body starts falling apart. We, we, we have a responsibility here too as individuals. So I think you're, I mean, there is a, the behavior choices that we make in all of our lives to make us as healthy as we possibly can be. And certainly that we all have our own responsibility to do that. Uh, and I wouldn't want to look at that without looking at the greater context in which that's situated. And so, you know, Rob's talked about poverty as being a, a big determinant of health, housing being a big determinant of health that can cause stresses in our lives that don't enable us to make the healthiest choices possible. So I think individual behavior choice is a, is a critical piece and it needs to be considered in the broader context of the other stresses that families are dealing with. You get the last word, Rob. Yeah, so I completely agree with that point, but I, I would add another layer onto it and it, it's really about families and our responsibility mm-hmm. uh, to our own families. And we, we cannot, uh, I think to some extent as a society, you know, we've started to look to uh, government and healthcare as a substitute for the kinds of uh, care that has traditionally been provided from one family member to another. So, you know, I don't know what the what the solution to that is, uh, but, you know, uh, grandparents used to be taken care of by their children and their grandkids, and, and there was a kind of interesting 
uh, and very uh, fulfilling family relationship that uh, supported uh, intergenerational uh, issues. And uh, we've lost a lot of that, and uh, somehow we got to try to get it back. Great discussion. Uh, thanks, both of you, for uh, being here with us today and uh, adding some insight into this. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Rob McIsaac, uh, Hamilton Health Sciences, Jennifer Vickers, Manzan, of course, from uh, Public Health here in the city. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.